1 Timothy chapter 5. It helped me to get in 1 Timothy. You're going to be surprised at these verses. Verse 20. Them that sin rebuke before all that others also may fear. Now look at Acts 5. My opinion is that nobody has ever heard a sermon begin like this. Acts 5. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was so, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out. That is, got him ready for grave, grave clothes wound him up and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that you have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost and the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. Verse 5, great fear came on all them that heard these things. Verse 11, and great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. Rebuke before all that others may fear. Now here's the title to my message. Learning by negative example. Anybody ever heard of that? Well, we've got lots of examples to follow in the Bible. Oh, of the greatest example of all is our perfect example, Jesus Christ and his humanity. But then there's the Apostle Paul. There's the Apostle John. There are the prophets, Jeremiah, Nehemiah, Ezekiel, and go on, name them all. And certainly they have exemplary lives in many respects for us to follow. And certainly we ought to follow them. Paul said, follow me as I follow the Lord. So, so we learn much by positive example. But we also learn by negative example. Just as these folks did in Acts 5. 
the first church at Jerusalem. That's after the day of Pentecost. And that man and his wife, Ananias and Sapphire, I have every reason to believe that they were saved people. But they were part of that assembly, of that church. And they wanted praise from men. And that's why they had a piece of property. It doesn't matter how much it was sold for. But let's say it was in our world today. It could have been a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars. That is, or even more than that. Depends on where it is and what they say: location, location, location. Uh, it could have been lots of money. And they didn't have to do anything with that money to the church. Now, every child of God, and I believe even non-children of God, we're all obligated to tithe. The child of God, a member of the church, is obligated not only to tithe, but to give offerings. But we don't bill our members. Many churches do. They didn't do it then. We don't do it now. That's not our example for us to follow. We are to willingly give. Doesn't Paul say the Lord loves a cheerful giver, that word is hilasterion, word from which you get hilarious from. We ought to give so much as, <laughs> I gave that much. That's hilarious giving. I can't believe I gave that much. That's the kind of giving the Lord loves, amen? Well, but we're not, we're not obligated to men for that. Yeah, I believe every church member ought to tithe and give. If they don't, I think they're violating the scriptures and the church covenant, but that's not up to us to enforce that. Preach it and teach it and set an example of it. I think the pastor's supposed to set the example in giving and all of that. But we do, we're not under contract like we borrowed money from a bank or something. Nobody's going to come and get you and repossess you. So they didn't have to do anything while it was not your while it was your own. Did you not have the say so over it? When you sold it, did you not still have the power of it? But here's what they did. Let's say they sold a piece of property for three hundred grand. Now I don't think anybody would have a problem tithing thirty bucks. That's three dollars. Ten percent. Nobody had a problem, that would they? Well, what about three hundred? Well, that's thirty. That gets a little what about 3,000? That's 300. $300? What idiot's going to give that kind of money? Has that ever been said to anybody? Yeah. Well, what about 30,000? That's 3,000. <laughs> Man, them checks are hard to write. <laughs> they shouldn't be, but they are. And what about 300,000? That would be 30,000. 30, uh, no, I, I just can't do that. I can't afford that. No, I, I just can't do that. Now, that, that all kinds of, of responses like that. But let's say that they sold their property for $300,000. They don't want to give no $30,000 plus an offering. 
So they back down and they say, the check is 3000 Oh, well, let's see, that's what we sold that property for, 30000 They didn't tell the truth, did they? And they told it to the church. They brought all this on themselves. They didn't have to get into this. They could just keep their mouth shut and put every what they wanted to in there between them and the Lord. But they lied. What they said, well, they just lied to the church. That's not what the Bible says. By lying to the church, you've not lied to men but unto God. Because you see, the Bible teaches that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is authorized from God as his body to receive tithes and offerings on this earth. Did you ever tie those together? That's exactly what it is. So, but my point is, they sinned before all. They wanted that church to think how, how spiritual that they are. While here they go, they just gave it all, you know. No, they didn't. They just gave a piece. Wanted credit for all. A big, a big bunch. Well, I don't know how they died. But it appears to me that the Lord took them. Which evidently to me is that they, they were saved, but they committed a sin unto death. That's physical death. And they, the same men carried both of them out and they buried them. But it was done in front of the church and others. And what did he say? Everybody that saw it feared. There's a lesson to learn from a negative example. Same thing in Timothy. Paul said, them that sin, Brother Brown used to say, uh, when it says them that sin, add before all, rebuke before all. That others may fear that they might learn from that ne negative example. I, parents, I don't know whether you do it now or not, but it used to be parents, when you whip one kid, the others get, get scared to death. You ever watch your brother get or sister get whipped? Oh no, I've got to back up on it. I don't want to get involved in what they were involved in. That's learning by negative example, all right? We've got several here. Look at Proverbs 6 now. There's all kinds of examples in, in the book of Proverbs. But chapter 6, look at verse 1. <clears throat> My son... Solomon talking to his son. Father advising a, his, his son. If thou be surety for thy friend, if thou stricken thy hand with a stranger, it doesn't really matter what's your friend or a stranger. Same either way. Being a surety, I'm guaranteeing the loan for this, my friend, or this, somebody I just met. They're going to put my name down on that loan for that car or whatever it is. I am the guarantor of it. Well, guess what? That's your loan. 
It doesn't affect them whatsoever. When they miss their payments, and they almost invariably will, guess who they come after? You that signed that note, whether it's your son, your daughter, your brother, your sister, mother, father, or whoever you signed that note for, that's your loan. And you know what? When you go to apply for a loan, you put down all of your obligations. That better be put down there because they'll find out about it. And if you're down there, that's your obligation, however much it is. So that's what he's talking about. Now, verse 2, he said, if you've done this, you are snared. A snare is a trap. <laughs> With thy, the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Do this now, my son, and deliver thyself when thou art come into the hand of thy friend. Go humble thyself and make sure thy friend. Give not sleep to thine eyes nor slumber to thine eyelids. Deliver thyself as a roe, that's good deer, from the hand of the hunter and as a bird from the hand of the fowler. That all goes together in that first passage. I call this fellow the sucker. You don't want to follow his example. Don't be a sucker. Jesus said for the, the, uh, the, the, the people of this world are wiser in their generation than the children of light. People handle their finances Mostly better than believers do. We become suckers. Easy to sucker us into something. It happens all the time. Well, it does have a great effect on you. When you've been a sucker like that, it greatly limits your service to God. I know I can't tithe. I'm so far in debt. I've got my whoever that I've signed a note for and I, they didn't pay it and I've got to pay that and all that and I can't tithe and give. Well, guess what? You're robbing from God because you were, were a sucker. Don't follow that kind of example. Learn by negative example. Let's go to the next one. Verse 6, Go to the ant, thou sluggard. We've got a sucker. Now we've got a sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Now her ways is good, not his. She's the positive and he's the negative. Which having no guide, overseer, or ruler. Now you young people, all of us need to learn this. That ant has no guide, no overseer, no ruler. She provides her meat, that's food, in the summer. And gathers her food in the harvest. Every summer. You can't waste summer. Especially if you're farming. 
You can't waste the days. Look what happens. Look verse 9. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? The sluggard loves sleep. Let me tell you what, folks. If you don't get enough sleep at night, it ain't going to kill you. How's the military feel about that, brother? Do they really worry about it if at Reveille in the morning and you tell your drills, well, I didn't get enough sleep last night, Sarge. I'm not going to be able to, uh, to drill with you this morning. They couldn't care less how much sleep you had. You are required to function fully if you didn't sleep the last three nights. Am I right? Anybody who's been in the military knows what I'm talking about. Oh, I, I didn't get much sleep. I, I can't, just can't. I got to. I'm, yeah. If you don't get enough sleep, it ain't going to kill you. Matter of fact, many times people get so much sleep, it makes them a sluggard. Anyway, so he says, How long wilt thou sleep, old sluggard? When wilt thou rise? Out of sleep, out of thy sleep. Here's what the sluggard says. Yeah, 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 a little sleep. <laughs> a little slumber. <laughs> a little folding of the hands to sleep. <laughs> oh, I've just got to get me a few more weeks. I just can't get up. I can't get, can't, can't get up. He says, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth in thy want as an armed man. You know the old saying, a rolling stone gathers no moss. Well, this traveling man, he never sets down roots. He's traveling all the time. i tell you what, I haven't moved much in my lifetime. I see people that move a lot, and unless they've got some big corporation paying, paying them to do it, they're moving on their own. Each time they move, they get in worse shape. They lose furniture, they lose this, they lose that, and, each, and it costs lots of money, and they're not working while they're moving. They get in worse shape. One that traveleth, that's what it's talking about, and thy want lacking as an armed man, that is an armed man comes and takes it away from you. Gun. Give me what you got. And that's what, but what is the, Basis of that. He stays in bed too much. He or she. So now you've got the sucker. Oh no, don't be a sucker. We've got to be wiser than that. And now we've got the sluggard. And you certainly don't want to be. I don't care who's a sluggard. You don't want to follow his or her example. Amen. Lazy people. I'll tell you what. Lazy people will get you in trouble. Matter of fact, they might get you hurt or killed. Because a lazy man, a lazy woman, will do anything to get out of work. And they'll throw it all off on you and do many bad things. Why do you think these guys, it's easier for them to go out at night and rob a, a, a service station than to get up and go to work in the morning? Well, 
You know, the Bible says if a man doesn't work, neither should he eat. We need to remember that. Yes, I want to feed the hungry. But I don't want to feed able-bodied men and women that are able to provide for themselves. Now the last one, verse 12. A naughty person, that's wicked. A wicked man walketh with a froward mouth. Froward uh, is fromward. Going away from God, that's, that's bad. Towards, going towards God, that's good. He winketh with his eyes, he speaks with his feet, he teacheth with his fingers. Forwardness is in his heart, he deviseth mischief continually, he soweth discord, therefore shall his calamity come suddenly, suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. Now verse 14, forwardness is in his heart, he deviseth mischief, he soweth discord. The next section talks about the abomination before God, he that soweth discord is one of those. This last guy is a slanderer. We've had a sucker, a sluggard, and a slanderer. People don't mind saying bad things about anybody. And we don't need to follow that example. Believers ought to be very... We, the covenant says, slow to take offense... And we're slow to believe something bad. I heard a, a woman that said she was a believer one time. Asked her, said, do you, do you believe every bad thing you hear? She said, or do you believe anything good about him? No, I just believe that sorry, that bad stuff about him. I don't believe that woman was saved. What was you talking about this? I don't believe that woman was saved. That's not, a, that's not an example of a born again person. A renewed person? What kind of a heart is that? Wicked. And just believe the worst about everybody. No, and then talk about it. Run their mouths. Gossiping. So you want to, you don't want to take the example of a sucker. You don't want to take the example of a sluggard. And you don't want to take the example of a slanderer. Now I want to give you an individual. Look at 1 Samuel 25. Brother Tim's been on this in Sunday school. Good lessons on this. First Samuel, chapter twenty-five, and verse three is the first one I want to see. Now, this is right after Samuel dies, chapter twenty-five, and verse three, David's time, King David's time in Israel. It said, "Now, verse three. The David's run, he's on the run from Saul, who is the king. David's got his mighty men out in the hills of Judea. And they can whoop up on the army. They're tough. You talk about the Navy SEALs and the Rangers and all that. They're like that. They're mighty men. They're tough. But they're hungry. I don't think most of us know what hungry is. But they were hungry, hadn't been fed. So here David, he's out in the wilderness. Look at verse 2. The man in Maon, whose possessions were in Carmel, the man was very great, and he had 3,000 sheep 
and a thousand goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now this man, very wealthy, got all of those animals. And so now the name of the man was Nabal. Now that name means vile fellow, fool, several things there. And the name of his wife was Abigail. But she was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. But the man was churlish, I call it curlish, and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. Now here's what goes on. He heard that they were shearing sheep. And so David sent out ten young men, verse 5, and David said to the young men, Get you up to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. They weren't trying to do anything. They could have, but they weren't trying to. And he said, Thus shall you say to him that liveth in prosperity. He's got plenty. Peace be both to thee and peace be to thine house. And peace be unto all that thou hast. And he says, now uh, I've heard that thou hast shears. Now they, thy shepherds which were with us, we hurt them not. Neither was there aught, anything missing unto them. All the while they were in Carmel, we didn't bother your shepherds and we didn't steal any of your sheep. We could have very easily. You might not have even known or we could have killed your shepherds. Uh, ask thy young men, and they will show thee. Wherefore, let the young men find favor in thine eyes, for we come in a good day. Give, I pray thee, whatsoever cometh to thine hand, and to thy servants, and to thy son David. I'm going to move on a little bit. Verse 10, Nabal answered David's servants, and said, Who's David? Now he's going to find out who David is. And who is the son of Jesse? So he obviously knew who he was. And there be many servants nowadays that break away every man from him. How do I know you're not just a runaway slave? <coughs> Shall I then take my, my bread and my water and my flesh that I've killed for my shears and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be, where they be from? So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told him all these things. And David said unto his men, Gird you every man on his sword. And they girded on every man his sword. And David girded on his sword. And there went up after David about 400 men and 200 abode by the stuff. So there were 600 men. And four of them, 400 of them knew how to wield a sword, including David. They're going to go t have a little talk with Mr. Nabal. That's, he, he don't know how much trouble he's in. And we don't have a right to let people starve around us. If we've got food, we've got no right to let people starve around us. And we try not to here. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, so you got Nabal, a fool, and you got Abigail, who's a beautiful woman, but she's got a head full of sense, unlike her rich husband. Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he railed on them. 
But the men were very good unto us, and we were not hurt. Neither missed we anything, as long as we were conversant with them. When we were in the fields, they were a wall unto us, both by night and day. All the while we were with them, keeping the sheep. They even protected us. Now therefore know and consider what thou wilt do, for evil is determined against our master and against all his household. For he is a, such a son of Belial, that's the devil, that a man cannot speak to him. Nabal can teach us a lot by negative example. Think about this, brethren. Do you ever get so full of yourself that your wife or children or nobody else can talk to you? Ever? You ever get that? Oh, my name! Nabal. Don't learn by that example. What a horrible example. I read my Bible, Matthew, or Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Say Matthew 5 so much. Ephesians, the fifth chapter. The man of the house, the husband, he has to set the example of love in the house. Not her. You husbands, see that you love your wives, even as Christ also loved his kind of church, his assembly, and died for it, gave himself for it. How are you cruel or mean to the wife that you're supposed to love enough that you'll die for? Romans, Paul said, love worketh no ill to its neighbor. Whoever you love, you're not mean to. Whoever you love, you don't tell down with your mouth. Amen. You know there's physical abuse. And certainly that ought not to take place. But there's also verbal, which boils down to mental abuse. You know you can take a kid. Not beat him. But you can tell him every day, you're stupid. A lot of them are raised that way. Instead of trying to teach them something, daddy just, ah, you stupid kid, you ain't nothing but a kid. Do you know what you do to that kid? Destroy their life. Because you make them believe what you're telling them. And it's not true, but you're doing it to them. You are abusing that child verbally which becomes mentally. You tell the wife, you're stupid. You don't know anything. You ain't good for anything. Or you tell a normal woman that every day, and you know what? She'll start to believe it. And she'll start to act like it. But I hear that we're supposed to let not that come out of our mouth, which is, Acidic, like acid, which destroys, which corrupts. But only that which is edifying, building up to the hearer, ministering grace to the hearer. 
I've had an awful day. Don't pile on. Encourage me. You've had an awful day. I'm not going to pile on you. I'm going to try to encourage you. I'm not going to bring up everything else that I've been holding back for two years. I mean, while they're down, okay, go on, get on her. Just get on her now and just tear down. Nabal's like that. And what he didn't know by his stupid foolishness, he's about to bring the house in on the whole kit and caboodle. But praise the Lord, he's got a wife that's got tons of more sense than he does. She's savvy. She knows who David is. She knows what he's capable of. And she has more grace and compassion. We've got plenty. Let's feed them. So let's see what she does over here. Uh, in verse, well, she starts over here in, it's still chapter 25. I'm looking for where she brings the food. Here we are, verse 18. Then Abigail made haste. She knew there was no time to waste. <laughs> Look what that Nabal's done. And took 200 loaves, two bottles of wine, five sheep ready dressed. She had them killed and dressed. <laughs> They're ready to cook. And five measures of parched corn. That sounds like hominy to me. Isn't that what hominy is? Parched corn. I love it. I can't get much of it, but I love it. If it hadn't been for, if it hadn't been for hominy, hominy our, the pioneers in Kentucky wouldn't have had nothing to eat in the wintertime. A hundred clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs. I guess it like fig newtons, wouldn't it? And laid them on asses. She said unto her servants, Go on before me. Don't wait on me. <laughs> Behold, I come after you. But she told not her husband Nabal. I can't tell him this. this what idiot would try to stop him? And it was so as she rode on the ass. She came down by the covert of the hill. And behold, David and his men <coughs> came down against her and she met him. And David said, surely in vain have I kept all that this fellow hath in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that pertained to him. And he hath requited me evil for good. Well, so and more also do God unto the enemies of David, if I leave all of all that pertained to him by the morning. So he, he read to wipe them out. And when Abigail saw David, she hasted and lighted off the ass and fell before David. On her face bowed herself to the ground. And fell at his feet and said, Upon me, my Lord, upon me let this iniquity be. And let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak in thine audience and hear the words of thine handmaid. Let not, my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. That's what it means. Fool. Wicked fool. 
Nabal's his name, and folly is with him. But I, thine hand, made saw not the young men of my Lord, whom thou didst send. Anyway, as it turns out, Abigail fed them all. Fed them well. But Nabal, he gets drunk. I don't know how he died, but he did die. He stiffened up like a stone. <laughs> that sounds like rigor mortis don't set in. I mean, he, he really good and dead. When rigor mortis sets in, you know they're dead. <laughs> and you know what David did? He said, that's one wise woman. Not only that, she's beautiful. I want her as my wife. So she didn't have to spend any time as a, as a grieving widow. I don't think she grieved anyway. I think she probably put up over her door and said, everybody brings a blessing to this house. Some by entering and some by leaving. <laughs> now I think that's how she felt about him. A churlish or a curlish fool is what he would. Don't follow that example. Let's follow what the Lord says in Ephesians Secondly, look at uh, 1 Kings 21. And it came to pass after these days, verse 1, that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard, which is in Jezreel, hard by the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. Now we're going to talk about Naboth, and we're going to talk about Jezebel, and we're going to talk about Ahab. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to run out of time. I'm careful. Uh, so Naboth wanted the vineyard. I called it Ur herb garden. He wanted that vineyard that was hard by the palace in Samaria. And Ahab said, verse 2, spake unto Naboth, saying, saying, Give me thy vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs. That's why I called it a herb garden. Because it is near unto my house, and I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it, or if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. Well, now Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid it me, hmm, that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. And Ahab came into his house. Now he's king <coughs> of the northern kingdom. He was heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my fathers. And he laid him down upon his bed and turned away his face and would eat no bread. My, 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 my. I preached on that a long time ago from our Baptist heritage because I think Naboth is, a, is who we ought to follow as Baptists. He had his heritage from the Lord and he wouldn't give it up. It cost him his life, but he wouldn't give it up. He said, I cannot Give my heritage. And we've got the heritage from the Lord with the truth of God's word, the faith. And we can't give it up. A lot of them have. But we better be like Naboth and refuse to give it up. We ain't budging. We ain't moving. 
We've got the truth and we ain't moving, but that's not my point right now. My point is Ahab. King of the northern kingdom of Israel. And he wants that vineyard. And big old mean Naboth just won't set it. Naboth says, you ain't got no money to buy it, boy. King, he didn't say that. But I'd like to think he did, but he didn't. <laughs> so what did Ahab do? Like a big spoiled brat. Went home, went to bed, refused to eat, turned his face to the wall. I guess he was whimpering, crying, I don't know. Like a big spoiled brat, a big spoiled baby. Let me tell you what Job, what God said. Look at Job 38. Job chapter 38. After all of Job's suffering, about a year of it, intense suffering, and all of his friends have talked, and he's talked, everybody's talked, now God talks. Well, at least he'll be sympathetic with Job. No. Nah. So why do the righteous suffer? God, God cries over you. No, he doesn't. Not at all. After Job, you ain't suffered as much as Job. But look what God does. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Job? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Job, quit feeling sorry for yourself. Don't be doing like, hey, I'm, ain't nobody loves me. You won't sell me that garden. And I heard my heart set on it. And they just took it away from me. Don't follow his example, big spoiled brat. God will tell you the same thing you told Job. <laughs> Stand up like a man and answer me. Never one time mentioned his suffering. Well, I've got another one here. I got time to get him out. Verse or chapter Second Samuel, chapter three. Second Samuel chapter three. Well, David had been promised Michael. That's a girl's name. That's M I C H A L. For a wife. Uh, these guys were into wives. I just have to tell you. The son was. Worse than he was. 
they had to have the money to handle all that stuff. But he'd been promised Michael. Saul had turned into his enemy and was trying to kill him. So instead of giving Michael to David, he gave her to somebody else. And that guy's name is, one place is called Falti or Falti, and the other place is called Faltiel, same guy. I don't know why the difference in spelling, but anyway, chapter 3 of 2 Samuel. Verse 12, when Abner sent messengers to David on his behalf, saying, Whose is the land? Saying also, Make thy league with me, and behold, my hand shall be with thee to bring about all Israel unto thee. And he said, Well, I will make a league with thee, but one thing I require of thee. That is, thou shalt not see my face, except thou first bring Michael, Saul's daughter, when thou comest to see my face. You've got to go get her. And David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, Saul's son, saying, Deliver me my wife Michael, which I espoused to me for a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. And that was the deal he made with Saul. And Ishbosheth sent and took her from her husband, even from Faltiel, the son of Laish. Legally, she belonged to David. I don't know what kind of arrangement they had. Some of the commentaries just say that Faltiel loved her so much. I don't think it was so much that as he was coward. I don't know what he could have done about it, but he sure didn't have to do what he did. Here's what it is. Verse 16. Ishbosheth sent and took Michael. Now he's not traveling with her anymore. They're up ahead of him, I assume. And her husband went with her along, weeping behind her to Bahurim. Then said Abner unto him, Go, return, get back home. And he returned. I think he was a wimp. I think he was a coward. You may not be able to do something about everything that happens, but you can sure take it like a man if you're a man or a woman if you're a woman. You don't have to humiliate yourself. Amen? You don't have to do that. I mean, we've been talking about this a lot lately. We're going to be talking about it even more. We're going to be talking about the Spanish Inquisition and all what's happened to our Baptist men, women, boys and girls, brothers and sisters. They come to get us. I don't see no crying like that. Take it like a man. They can't break us. We belong to the Lord. Not to man. Don't be a coward. So, learning by negative example... Nabal, Ahab, and Shimei. Oh, well, I didn't get Shimei yet, did it? 2 Samuel 16. Falti, or Falti. Nabal, Ahab, Falti, and Shimei is this last one here. 2 Samuel 16, 
Verse 5, And when King David came to Bahurim, behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gerah. He came forth and cursed still as he came. He run his mouth against David, cursing him. And he cast stones at David and at all the servants of King David. And all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And thus said Shimei when he cursed, Come out, come out, thou bloody man, and thou man of Belial. The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul. And the Lord hath delivered the kingdom in the hand of Absalom thy son. Behold, thou art taken in thy mischief. But now, what's happening here, I'm not going to read the rest of the rest of this chapter, but Shimei is on one side, this hill. David's on this hill. Shimei is cursing him and throwing rocks and kicking up dust at him. But David can't get to him right there. Say, well, he was coward. He was just a plain coward. That's all he was, just a coward. Couldn't face him, had to do it off and throw rocks at him. That's where a lot of preachers do other preachers. It really is. But you know how David took that? You can read the rest of that and find out. David. They wanted to go, his men wanted to go over and cut his head off. And they were quite capable and willing to do it. David said, no, leave him alone. Everybody else has cursed me. It won't bother me. So he wouldn't let him do that. But my point, Nabal was a fool. Don't be a fool. Ahab was a spoiled brat. Don't be a spoiled brat. Be a man. Faltai, he was a coward. And so was Shimei. Don't be like them. And then don't be like the sucker. Nor the slugger. Nor the slanderer. God help us to learn. Not only from our positive examples. But by the negative examples. That we've heard.